Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Hefferman, and with me today Yay, is... Yay! Go get Todd! Yay! Fucky Dent! Fucky Dent! Welcome to... Uh, welcome back. Uh, it's been a while since we've tried to do this, but the world is changing every day, it seems. So, uh, um, what have you done to keep yourself busy uh, when you've had some downtime? Well, I've been counting up uh, the number of times that ESPN Classic shows... Uh, Game four of the 1989 World Series. I think they're up to about 77 and counting since the uh, uh, since the world since the sports world stopped due to coronavirus. Um, and pretty much also my go-to's beyond that have been uh, Food Network, uh, Weather Channel, and local news. And that's pretty much it because there's really not much else to to keep track of at this moment uh, other than. You know, just trying to find uh, newsworthy items wherever we can. Why does that game have so much disdain for you? Well, because first of all, it wasn't a very good game. It was the end of a of a four to nothing World Series sweep by the A's over the Giants, and a World Series that was only noteworthy because it was interrupted for two weeks by an earthquake. And it was a terribly played game. On top of that, it was an eight nothing A's lead at one point. They won nine to six, largely because they got a little bit sloppy, not because the Giants are really that capable of challenging them, but because it was a game that ABC showed, you get to watch it um, on average at least once or twice a day for whatever reason. But, you know, so <laughs> and, that, and, and that had a lot of characters. That had the Giants team with, like, Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell, right? Yes, yes. I mean, And then, and then the A's one. had the Bass Brothers and Dave Stewart. That was that was that was the the one that was the one ace team of that era that they probably could have won. You know, you figured they should have won three straight World Series, and they only won one. And they unaccountably got swept by the Reds in '90, and that was the first World Series that game I actually went to in person was Game Two in 1990 in Cincinnati. And of course, they got beat by the Dodgers in '88, and a series where the A's just really didn't show up most of the way, and the Dodgers played pretty much at the maximum of their ability with a lot of guys injured and beat them in five. Well, that was the Kirk Gibson year, too, wasn't it? Yeah, they, that was the one. Hershiser, they had no business losing the World Series uh, to the Dodgers no, the, year, even though they had Earl yeah. Hershiser. Yeah, Hershiser was on a run like probably no other run really in in the history of baseball at that time for a guy to be that good for that long. And the A's sure couldn't do anything with him. And the Dodgers just played, you know, you can say over their heads if you want, and maybe they are, but in a short series, anything can happen, and the Dodgers executed about as well as a team can execute in that in those five games. Well, I've I've just, I've kind of been the opposite, Bucky. I'm, I'm finding so much stuff I want to watch, and I have to keep putting it off. I, I just started the new uh, season of Ozark. Um, I've watched a couple old 30 for 30s. And funny, you mentioned something that involved Oral Hershiser. I was watching the uh, the two um, the two Hernandez brothers, El Duque and Levon, and I remember okay. Levon won the World Series with Florida, and I did not remember that Oral Hershiser pitched for the Indians towards the end of his career. And it's he kind was of, on it's there. Kind of, yeah, it's, it's easy to forget that. Yeah, I forgot he was with was... the Indians towards the end of his career. I thought his I thought he spent almost all his career. With the Dodgers, and I want right? to say, and I, yeah, and I want to say the next year he wound up with the Giants, and there was a great story in Jeff Perlman's book about Barry Bonds, 
how Bonds decided one day in a spasm of, of humanity he was going to buy everybody on the team bus dinner after a spring training game. The only thing was it was dinner at McDonald's. And uh, something or other happened, and Bonds got torqued with something somebody said or whatever, and Hershiser had to be the one to step in and volunteer to pick up the difference or whatever. <laughs> he was some kind that of made jerk. I mean, yeah, I'm a historical was, kind of jerk. Yeah, I mean, there, there there are jerks, and then there's Barry Bonds in the jerk category from everything I read in Perlman's book. And I actually talked with R.J. Reynolds, who played in the Pirates teams with Bonds in the early 90s and who managed the Appalachian League team in Bristol in 2000, and I covered that team that year. And he had a couple of Bond stories that painted them, shall we say, a less than flattering picture. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we've uh, you know we've gotten tried to get creative. We've had a lot of news, you know. Unfortunately, you know, all bad news, pretty much. The the right. miners postponing, the Frontier League postponing, the uh, IHSA postponing, um, and then uh, the Canadian Wild uh, decided to call the season yesterday because they don't want to. Were you surprised they called it so early? Not really, because. From what I understand, the uh, travel restrictions are a little bit more stringent in Canada than they are here. And in some parts of Canada, they're going to extend to the end of June. And the Wilds' home schedule this year was going to be all in June anyway because the Tokyo Olympics were going to start on July 23rd. They were going to play 14 home games in June. And then in the run-up to the Tokyo Olympics, well, obviously when COVID-19 became this all-powerful force that no one figured out because there's no official vaccine that works, as we know. Uh, people have obviously had to take uh, dramatic measures, and this is just the latest in a, in a series of them around the sports world. Um, they are hoping to bring the Wild back next year in 2021 to have some games here and to be able to train at SIU. Um, Mike Pino and the head of uh, Softball Canada, Hugh Michener, both stressed that yesterday in the press release. And, um, you know, obviously from talking with a couple of players last year, they were really happy with the setup here in Southern Illinois. They would like to come back, and clearly they would like to have a, a Tokyo Olympics in 2021 uh, just to have the chance to play for gold. So hopefully for their sake and for our sakes, they can get worked out to where they can come back here and play next year. Yeah, I remember they signed a two-year contract, and I'm not saying, you know, we should definitely hold them to that contract, but considering the situation, but they, they you're just like you said, they really loved it here. They had good crowds. They had people that showed up even on the weekdays, a bunch of, I mean, it was, it was a market like the miners could never tap into. I mean, a softball market with all the softball teams we have around here and the, the great players, and they, and they uh, interacted with the fans, and and they were good. I mean, they were they were. Oh, in the they, race they signed autographs the after every game. They wow. signed autographs after every game. They, like you said, they interacted with the with the fans. And in at least one case I mentioned last year, you may remember the great Harrisburg catcher Carson Davis. Well, Carson actually got to catch uh, as a bullpen catcher when the U Triple S A Pride came in here last June. So she got to catch some of the best former college pitchers in, in Division One. You don't think that's a hell of an experience for a kid to to take to her college days at Southeast Missouri State or to tell her children and grandchildren about years from now, like, hey, I got to catch Paige Parker in the bullpen. I mean, 
And that's the type of thing that I think NPF is really good about doing as a whole, and the, and the Wild was really good about doing as a team when they were here last year, is that they did go out of the way to do stuff like that or to read to, to children's groups, classrooms, whatever. They really uh, immersed themselves in the community for the three or so months that they were here. And you're talking about, I mean, potential gold medalists, potential Olympic gold medalists that, that were here, and we're going to have to wait until next year to, to see them again. But I don't think um, – what do you think the chances the NPF even has a season now? Uh, they've they've got to cancel the I season can't imagine, pretty soon. I can't imagine they're going to they, – they have said, Commissioner Jerry Kemp has said that they will wait till May 1st to make a final decision – but with just four teams left, and yeah, four teams. that one of them, one of them is based in Chicago, and we know, you know, from uh, listening to JB Pritzker's uh, press conferences on a on a daily basis, there is a pretty good chance shelter in place is going to extend past April 30th, and I can't imagine that the gatherings of more than say a handful of people are going to be allowed even into June. You know, unless I'm unless something dramatically different happens between now and then, so you'd have to scratch the Chicago team from being able to play, and you can't very well have a league with three teams. Honestly, I can't see how you can have a league with four teams. So they may have to go ahead and scrap their season as well. I uh, logically, I just can't see it see it going on. And and it's Illinois sports can't be far behind. I mean, Missouri's already yeah. called it. Indiana's Indiana. already called it. And then Iowa, the only reason Iowa hasn't called it yet is because their season goes into June and July. Um, right. So I, I, I feel bad for all the, the seniors all across the country, uh, especially in our region, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen for them. I, I can't see it happening either. I'd like to t- sit here and tell you that that things are going to improve dramatically enough over the next two and a half weeks to where Governor Pritzker will feel comfortable removing shelter in place and letting uh, – and children go back to school and teachers going back to teaching them and maybe children uh, going back out to play games that me and you and Braden and uh, Justin Walker and Gary Denniston can go cover and write about and all that. But logically at this point, when you see other states have uh, canceled school for the rest of the year and as such in the extracurriculars are canceled for the year, I can't imagine Illinois is going to be too far behind. And I would think we're going to see a decision on that by sometime next week, no later than, say, next Friday, because you're talking the 24th in, and this current order ends on the 30th. So you've got to give, if you're going to put them back in school, you've got to give the educators a little bit of time to put together some kind of a lesson plan, a safety plan, any kind of plan you can talk with, and you've got to give uh, these high school athletic programs some time to, to get athletes back into some sort of shape you know, having some workouts to where they can look cohesive anyway to be able to play a few weeks of games and then maybe do a state series, whether it's the first week in June or, as Craig Anderson hinted at, maybe uh, pushing them back based on availability and other factors that none of us can really predict at this point to the last week of June. So there's a lot on the table here, but as you said, Todd, it does look increasingly doubtful we'll have a spring sports season. I thought if, if if things were improving towards the middle of the month or early in the month of April, yeah, maybe you come back May 1st and you say, okay, we're going to try it in two weeks. We'll have a month-long season. We'll push the playoffs back a little bit, and we'll try to give it a go. But it with with over a 1,000 new cases, it seems, still every day, 
I just don't think it's – I think it's getting better, and I think – and I hope Governor Pritzker is right when he said, I think we may have, you know, hit the apex already, so maybe right. we're on the downward slide, which is very encouraging, and, and I'm ecstatic about that. Um, but I just don't think it's happening fast enough for the athletes. And if you get into June and July, I mean, this is when uh, I just don't know if they're going to do it. But, but at the same time, maybe they do something unprecedented. Maybe they say, hey, if you want to do it, we'll try to play it in June for one year and see if the high school kids want to do it. Um, I, I, I think they would try it, but how many would want to do that instead of go to college in, in the first two weeks of June? when the colleges, if you're at that point, are probably taking kids back. And the other thing, too, is you're talking about if you go if you go into into late June, which, honestly, you kind of have to do to have a fair season, even if it's, even if it's a shortened season. If you, if you start the – if you were able to go on, say, May 8th or May 10th or whatever, let's say, just throwing on a random date and you have a month-long season and you can play a state series – that would end, say, at the at the end of June. You know, what about the availability of these facilities where you have state series championships at? You know, can you get the Eastside Center in Peoria for, for that last weekend? Can you get Dozer Park? You know, can you get the uh, Route 66 Stadium in Joliet? Can you get the uh, O'Brien Stadium for track at Eastern Illinois? I mean, there's a whole lot of factors we're talking. We, we have to figure out here and. On top of that, you know how travel ball is is prevalent in the summer. You know, can you get kids to and and parents who may have plunked down some money for for travel ball tournaments regionally and nationally? Can you get them to forsake that so their kid can play in a state tournament? I mean, we're talking about a lot of different factors here that nobody knows the answer to, and we ultimately may never have to find out the answer to if uh, schools uh, aren't able to return by May one. Yeah, yeah, most schools are going to be done by the middle of May anyway. So if it doesn't, I think he's going to announce pretty soon what he's doing in May, and, and I can't see him coming back. So I've, I've been planning my kids not going back to school for a while, but I think that announcement's uh, probably coming in the next couple of days from the governor. I do know, for, and I do know for a fact that a couple of school districts in other parts of Illinois have already return school supplies and personal belongings out of students' lockers to their students. So I don't know if they have maybe been told something internally we don't know or if they're just basing it on a on a hunch or something that, you know, our like our beliefs, uh, beliefs that we don't think that, it's, that school is going to be back in session this school year. But I do know for a fact those belongings have been returned to some students in other sections of Illinois. So that that's what I can tell you from that end. So what do you think about football? I, I think football is going to have no no problem coming back in August or September. I, I, I think football gets played. I, th- I, I think, think it gets to the played. point where we're good. You know, within if we're not good within four months, man, we have thousands yeah. of people working on this thing every day. I think we've got to be in a better position in the next two months, and then hopefully yeah. we're we're pretty close to normal by August September. Football is in the best position to return just because of the time of year in which it's played. Um, as you said, there's lots of people working on this. You know, I don't claim to have a knowledge of science or anything like that, but you would have to think that on some level they're going to be able to play football, and I say that even if they have to play in empty stadiums because the TV money is such, I don't believe 
that when you look at the TV money that's in in major in the in the Power Five conferences, and certainly in the NFL, I can't. I, I would be very stunned if there wasn't some sort of a football season, and I would hope that things to, you know, that the curve has been flattened by then to where hopefully you'll have a high school football season, the fall sports can return. Um, that hopefully would be enough time for, for that uh, for that to be able to be played safely without uh, without interruption or anything like that. And that's 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 the saving grace those sports have is the extra months that that hopefully somebody out there will be able to figure out a vaccine, a cure, or at least a way to minimize what's going on right now. Yeah, I, d- I don't think I- – I agree with you. I think that the TV money is really important to colleges and conferences, but, but I don't – I kind of agree with – I think it was Bob Bowlesby or if it was one of the major conferences says we're not going to have people come back. If, if the teams can play, we're not going to play unless the stands are full. And, and I think it's such mm-hmm. a – you know, they make so much money from ticket sales and donations and suite rentals yep. and concessions and, and apparel. Um but the TV money is much better, I'm sure. But uh, especially at our level, you know, we have to have fans in the stands to even get close to to making close to making a money. No, right. no FCS football team makes money uh, that I'm aware of. But uh, to even to have, to, to have it a part of the college and uh, to be an event, I, I think they're going to have to wait to get everybody into the stands. But they, that, is that better than nothing? It may be by the time we get to September and it hasn't improved. And we have no sports until September. I think people are going to be itching to see something, see something in person yeah. or, or on television, you know. So you may be that's right. Why, they, they may roll the dice. Yeah, and that's and that's why there was a lot of interest Sunday night when the horse competition that ESPN broadcasts along current and retired NBA players and WNBA players. People wanted to see something that was – sort of live, sort of involved some athletic skill that wasn't uh, based off a joystick or a controller or whatever. And that's why some people, myself included, were relatively disappointed by how flat the production was, whether it was uh, the the stream was lagging or the uh, athletes themselves just uh, really weren't engaged uh, as far as uh, providing the personality you'd like to see in something like that, it just fell flat. But well, um, I go ahead. Well, well, we've we've got to cut this off short. Uh, we appreciate the time today, oh. and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. But stay safe, and uh, thanks for joining us.